Good stuff. Morning, everyone. Good to see you. Um, yeah, I, know, I know David's prayed, but let me let me just pray again, if that's okay. Yeah, Father, I just pray you would. Um, oh God, you just help me. God, I need I need you. We all need you, God. We just need your Spirit to come, and whether it's speaking or listening, we just pray that you would challenge us, God. We pray that you would um, that you would convict us. God, in areas that we just need convicting. Thank you. You don't bring guilt. You don't bring shame. We pray that you would convict and you would challenge us, God. I pray that we would uh, we would just hear from you today. Jesus, would you uh, would you gently just come and uh, and let us know you with us? Um, thank you for thank you for the time that we've had already. Pray that what we've offered, God, is is pleasing to you, God. We're here for you. God, it's the only reason why we would gather. It's it's because of you. It's for you. And, and so, God, we want to bless you and honor you and give glory to you. Um, so, God, I pray that you would, that you'll be with us. Be with us, God. God, whatever the, the the inevitable, God, we 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 can say this every Sunday, but inevitably, God, there is such pain and confusion, God, and there is uncertainty and there's angst, God, that people have carried in with them this morning. And of all the times that that's understandable, it's now. But Jesus, we pray that you would bring your perfect peace in these moments of just being together. God, nothing even that I would necessarily say or nothing, even nothing that would be sung, God, but just be being together and you being with us, God, that would just be enough for people today. God, you make us incredibly conscious of your nearness, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let, let, me, go, uh, let me go straight to Luke chapter 2. Uh, verses I think that uh, most of us will be familiar with. Um, if you've grown up with this, if you've grown up with a Christmas story at all, you will know these words. Uh, the shepherds, um, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, "Do not be afraid. I bring you good, no- good news of great joy." That will be for all the people. I'm not going to speak on this this morning, but that uh, I'm just struck by. Sometimes we finish off. I bring you good news of of uh, of great joy. But it's good news of great joy for all people, not just for those who believe the right things or say the right things or have grown up in the right place. It's for all people. This is to bring great joy. It's good news for everyone. Uh, verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory, glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. I'm actually not going to spend a lot of time in Luke chapter 2, but we couldn't come up, we couldn't be in the third Sunday of Advent and not read some part of the Christmas story. But it's just been this idea of, of, uh, of, the gl- of glory, 
sang a wee bit about it this morning already. We'll give him all the glory. What was that? What was that announcement? What does that actually mean when the great company, the angelic host, appeared and began to sing? Because the baby has come, because Jesus is here, their their exclamation, their proclamation was glory to God in the highest. This word glory, we'll read about it several times throughout the New Testament. The Greek word is doxa, D-O-X-A. At its very root, it is something that it is something that evokes good opinion. Good opinion, and so the incarnation of Jesus, and as we will, as we follow the life of Jesus, and ultimately his death, burial, and resurrection, it is that it is these moments that we see what God is really like. And so, the glory to God it is to evoke good opinion, right a right estimation. That's what, it, that's what it is at the root of this word glory. And I think it's important because if we go right back to the Old Testament, and even right now, there is things that people think. There is a certain uh, reputation that God has, and Jesus comes to make it right. Jesus comes to show us exactly what the Father is like. We see Jesus himself say it several times throughout the Gospels. We see the writer to the Hebrew says, say, long time, over many years, over many centuries, this is uh, what you've seen and this is what you've heard, but now I've spoken to you clearly. The most clear understanding you're going to get of who I am, says God, is by looking at Jesus, the incarnation of Jesus. His life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, it reveals to us what God is really like. And so when we come to this uh, Christmas story, when we come to this idea of giving glory to God, that's what the guys have encouraged us to do in our worship, give him all the glory. Give him all the glory. Declare your high opinion of God's goodness and spread its fame to others. I can't remember where I read that, but that, that's, that is the definition of somebody, uh, this idea of giving God the glory. Declare your high opinion of God's goodness and spread its fame to others. And so I, ha- I, cannot, I cannot get away from Matthew 5. And so for a few moments again this morning, um, before we finish, I, I want us to go back to Matthew 5. We've read through the Beatitudes. Um, really grateful to David who brought us wonderfully through this idea of transformation. Neville did an incredible job last Sunday, and, um, and I'm, but I'm going to bring us back once again to Matthew 5, verse 16. Let me give you that two weeks ago, I was in Matthew 14. Matthew 5, verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men. Listen that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before all people. Let it shine before your neighbors, before your family, before your community, before everyone. That they may see your good deeds, they may see what you're doing, 
and they would give glory. They would give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's why I'm sort of, I think I'm struggling over the last few days to fully articulate what, I, what the ask is this morning. But I think it's along this lines. I am really keen that we would spread his good reputation. A responsibility for us to spread his good reputation. That we would spread the good opinion of who he truly is, of what he is really like. And as I've already prayed this morning, I do not want anybody listening to, to feel any sense of guilt or any sense of shame. If it's condemnation, it's not from Jesus. There is no condemnation in him. But I do want to ask the question. I do think there's enough in the Bible that reminds us to examine yourself. Paul to the Philippians says, work this out. With, and there is times when it feels like it's with fear and with trembling. Examine yourselves, work this out. And so the question I feel like I've been asking for the last few days is that the people, for the people who are watching my life, for the people who are watching whatever light is shining out of me, what is the reputation of God? What is his reputation as the people look on at my life? They're going to look on and see your good deeds and they're going to give glory to the Father that is in heaven. That is what naturally is going to happen. So I'm asking myself the question, what, for the people who are watching my life, what is the reputation of God? Does that make sense? Based on how you have loved this week, based on how you have forgiven this week, based on how you have received love or even received forgiveness, based on how you have seen the oppressed, how you have seen and heard the marginalized, how you've sought the good in people, that, that, would be your, that's, that, that should be our default position. You automatically will seek the good that's in people. So based on all of those things, and there's many others, what has been the reputation that you have celebrated or that you have spread? What has been the reputation that you have celebrated based on how you have loved and forgiven, based on how you've seen the oppressed and listened to the marginalized, what has been the reputation that you have spread? And it feels like that is mainly what I'm going to keep on saying, maybe in different ways this morning. But for a few more minutes, just keep with me if you can. We, I think we have thought, I think I have thought that giving him glory was producing really high-quality pieces of content. And so when it comes to this Christmas season, all of that has been stripped away from us putting on a really good Christmas performance, putting on a really, good, a really good show. It's those things that I think that is what's going to give him glory. When we get all our musicians out, when we get our best singers out, and we lift the roof off the place in worship, that's what's going to give him glory, but we can't even do that in, at the moment. But I still think there's something within us throughout the year that thinks giving him glory is going to be our highly produced pieces of content. Or giving him glory is whenever we prove a point in an argument. Or we give him glory when we've won an argument with somebody about something that we've read or discovered in the Bible. Sometimes I think we think it's the, the information that we've gathered that's going to give him glory. It's being right about certain things that's going to give him glory, proving a point, winning an argument. See, for these people that were... that. Whenever 
whenever uh, Jesus came, and we see it in the life of the disciples, we see it in what the disciples think, we get an insight into where they're at. They thought, and everybody else thought, it's why he ended up going to the cross. They thought that Jesus would come and overpower. They thought that he would come and, and, and give the, them their rightful place, would overpower all of the empires that had oppressed them. That they would, he would come and destroy and set up this, this kingdom that they thought um, that, a, that a proper king would set up. That was the expectation that they thought Jesus would overpower. But in fact, I think if we're going to get a right estimation, if we're going to get the right opinion about God, if we're going to give him glory, it's, we're going to see through the life of Jesus that it is in laying our lives down. We give him glory by laying our lives down. We give him glory by loving our enemies. We give him glory by giving all of ourselves for those who are oppressed. Giving all of ourselves for those who have been marginalized. I think this is incredibly important. I think it's incredibly countercultural. I think it, 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 it puts everything on its head, and that's what Jesus continues to do. And so whenever, whenever, that, whenever the angels came saying glory to God in the highest, there was probably an understanding of what that was going to look like. And as Jesus begins to live his perfect life out, we see actually giving, him, giving glory to God is by laying our lives down. It's by loving our enemies. It's by giving all of ourselves for the sake of the other. And so the challenge for us, it's a, it's a huge challenge for us the challenge to authentically live our faith in ways that people learn about God by looking at how we live our lives. As we authentically live out the Jesus way. And that's why I think the Beatitudes are really important for us as followers of Jesus. This way of life that Jesus presents to us, the kingdom way of living. And as we authentically live that out, people will learn about God. It's how they're going to learn about God. And I... And I'm not here necessarily to, to, to bash or dismiss those who stand with their microphones on street corners, but people need to see us authentically living our lives out. That is the way that they're going to learn about the reputation of God, by looking at how we live our lives, by looking at how we love, by how we forgive, by how we lay ourselves down for the sake of the other. In Matthew 5, to go back again to Matthew 5, verse 16, this is what the Passion Translation says. Let your light shine brightly before others so that the commendable things you do will shine as light upon them and then they will give praise to your Father who is in heaven. How, as we authentically live our lives and people begin to learn about God as we follow the beatitude way of living, people are going to see it's going to draw attention to God. And so I'm, I am really keen. I, I'm so long and my life would be lived in such a way that it would draw attention to God. It would draw attention to the, to the person, to the ways, to the words of Jesus. I want to live my life in such a way that it would draw attention to God. See, Jesus, this whole this Sermon on the Mount that he preaches from Matthew 5 to Matthew 7, 
Jesus was speaking of the, this is the lived out message that Jesus was encouraging us to live. And I think that Jesus is emphasizing our lived out message, possibly over our spoken out message. And I know what we say is really important. We want to give, as Peter, we want to give an answer for the hope that is within us. I'm not saying that words aren't important, but our lived out message, I think, is what Jesus is emphasizing here in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. That's why this Sermon on the Mount is so key. It's why it's our manifesto. It's why it's the place that we need to turn to over and over again. Because I think that our spoken out message will have no impact whatsoever if it's not being lived out. In fact, it's going to draw attention in the opposite way that we want it. If our lived out message is not, uh, is not seen to be being um, lived out, if it's only being spoken, if it's only being spoken and not being lived out, it is why that his reputation is not always good. I've read some, some stats, uh, mainly taken from America, but I think it could apply to anywhere in the West. The things that people think about the nature of who God is. And he has been given that reputation because of those of us that bear his name. I don't want guilt, shame, or condemnation. This is not my heart. You know that. But I think we want to be challenged by the, by the words and the ways of Jesus. We don't only speak the right words out. We want it to be lived out. It's why his reputation is not good. And the re if you want to look at the reputation of Christians, like the numbers, the stats are not good reading. The high percentage of people that watch on at us living our lives, many will say, a high percentage will say that we're judgy, that we're hypocrites, that we're homophobic. This is the reputation. And, and maybe, it's on, maybe, it, maybe that you feel like that is unfair, but that is what increasing numbers of people are saying about the reputation of people that are following Jesus or people who call themselves Christians. I am sh I've been struck this week by the words of Origen. Origen was a third century scholar, theologian, and, and listen, listen to what he says. Christ makes his defense in the lives of his genuine disciples for their lives cry out the real facts. Christ makes his defense in the lives of his genuine disciples for their lives, for their lives cry out the real facts. Now I went through a period in my, my early 20s, mid-20s of just being incredibly passionate about apologetics, like a, like a thinking through to be able to articulate really well a defense for the gospel, a defense for doctrine. And so don't hear me dismiss that. If you're passionate about apologetics, that is, that is fine. Continue to read and, and continue to do that. But when I go back to these fathers in the first three, four hundred years, they were adamant that it was our lives that actually cry out the real facts. You can give a really well-articulated defense of why you believe that Jesus rose again. That's good. That's really important. But I want my life, I want how I live to draw attention to the goodness of God. I want my life and how I live to cry out the real facts. And Peter in 
Peter in the Gospels can be given a hard time for always putting his foot in it, for never seeming to have it all worked out. But as we, as we read his letter, I think it's so encouraging to read Peter's letter. It took him years. It took him a long time. Even being physically with Jesus, it still took him a long time to work this all out. But look, listen to him. Listen to what Peter says. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the unbelievers that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they would see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he comes. Peter is saying the same thing. Peter got it, that it was in how we live out our lives. It was in us going about our everyday lives, doing good, following through in the ways and words of Jesus, that the unbelievers would see, and they would glorify, they would give glory to God, give glory to God on the day that he comes. And just as I finish, we reminded, I reminded, uh, reminded us a couple of weeks ago that we, that Jesus came, he came and says, I am the light of the world. And here in Matthew 5, he then says to us, you are the light of the world. We said that it's not two different lights. We are an extension of the body of Christ. We are an extension of this life, of this light, coming from the same source. We're an extension of the body of, we're an extension of Jesus. That's why we're called the body of Christ. It's not a different light. We're conduits of the same light. And if we're doing this right, it's going to point to Jesus. It's going to cause people to, be, to draw attention to the, to the true nature of God, to what he is truly like, to how good he truly is. And we, as I finished off a couple of weeks ago, we don't shine to get people to sign on the dotted line. We don't shine our lights in order for people to think, behave, and act exactly the way that we do. We shine because it's who we are. We shine because it's what we do. And I think when people see his followers' good works, they will naturally give glory to God. And so I... Again, to continue to ask you the same questions I have been asking myself. Is it possible that we have isolated ourselves as Christians that our lived out message is not being heard by many people? Is it, have we perhaps isolated ourselves as followers of Jesus that the, this lived out message that people need to see, is it not being heard by many? I'm asking myself the question, is it not being seen? Why are we not seeing more of what's supposed to naturally happen if we take Jesus seriously? People are going to see your good works and they're going to give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Is it not being seen because we are hiding under a basket, as it says in Matthew 5, 16? Are we hiding under a basket that our light is not shining for the others to see? Are we hiding under a basket, or to put it in our context now, are we hiding behind our four walls? That's so why I'm like, I'm, maybe this is being provocative, but rather than putting all our energy into why we are not getting back to church, we are being persecuted because we can't get back into the four walls of our building, 
rather than putting all our energy into that, what about putting all of it, putting as much of it as we possibly can into loving our neighbors really well, to loving those around us really well over the next couple of weeks? Like what, would that, what sort of experiment would that be as we think of our energy levels, what we have to give to, rather than getting involved in all the conspiracies? And part of me feels a responsibility to address some of that, but I'm not going to do it this morning. But there is some absolute filth, there is some nonsense that is being um, portrayed over, over social media. And what about if we, put, we decided that we were not, for the next couple of weeks, we were not going to put any of our energy into conspiracies, into idle arguments, into idle nonsense? What would it be like if we put all our energy into loving our neighbors really well? Because that's the only way they're going to see. And so I wonder, if, as we live our lives, even as we, as we, what we put on our social media, what, what would our social media what reputation would our social media give of ourselves? What reputation would it give of the one that we serve, the one that we follow? I think these are really challenging questions. These are things that I'm, that I'm confronting myself with. So where are we going to put our energies this week? I think that if we decide to, to come out from behind our walls, if we decide to come out from under our basket and just shine, it's who we are, it's what we do. And all of that will draw attention to the one that we follow, to the goodness of the one that we serve. And others will see that and they will give glory. They will then spread his reputation even further than we can. And so I hope there's enough there of a challenge for us that's not going to, it's not going to leave you feeling weighed down by guilt. But I think there's enough for us to go into this week really uh, challenged by how we're going to love and forgive and see the good in others and, uh, and, shine, and shine our light really well. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for this season, that this Advent season that we're in that reminds us that Jesus came and also, we hold on to that he is coming again. But Father, I thank you for, for what happened whenever you sent Jesus. Everything that, that, that was previously understood, everything that was previously expected was turned on its head. In this kingdom, life was the opposite of what was expected. Giving glory was possibly the opposite of what people expected. So God, I pray that as we go about our lives this week, I pray that, that we give glory to you by how, we, uh, by how we love and how we forgive. How we, how we give of ourselves entirely for the sake of the others. God, in a season where typically we want to hoard for ourselves and for our own, God, would this be a season where we turn all of that on its head? And all of those things that we do would draw attention to you.
And it's how we live our lives draws attention to you, that that would be the thing that would give glory to our Father who is in heaven. So Holy Spirit, will you come and empower us to be ones that will be, be true conduits of the light and the life of Jesus. That's why I thank you for, again, God, for the joyous being just to worship together today. And for the joyous being just to be in the same room for this short period of time. God, I just pray that you would bless and uphold and encourage each family and each person here and watching today. God, as we go from here, just so aware of our need for you. Let us live from that place every day, every moment of every day. For your name's sake, for your fame, for your renown. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you all, really. Honestly, really good to see you. Wait a moment.